The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on January 13, 2013, based on Psalm 2, verses 1 through 12. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God, through which the Holy Spirit points us to our Savior, the Christ, Jesus, is Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Last week in Bible class, one of the members brought to our attention that there was a petition to the White House asking that the Roman Catholic Church be declared a hate group because of their stand against homosexuality. Now, although we have differences with the Roman Catholic Church, especially on how we are saved, yet on the issue of homosexuality being a sin, we too say the same thing. And although this petition only has less than 3,000 signatures the last I looked, it does sort of indicate, doesn't it, the direction that our society is going in. Might it one day be illegal for us to say what God says about sins like homosexuality? How far are we in that progression where society, first of all, just asks that this or that sin be tolerated. And then it asks for acceptance, and then promotion, and finally for the silencing of all who would speak against it. How true we see these words are. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And as the years go by, we may feel the weight of those words more and more as living according to God's word and speaking his word becomes more and more difficult. But take heart, dear Christian friends, take heart. Because the Lord's anointed one reigns. I have installed my king, the one enthroned in heaven declares. And that king, that anointed one, is your Savior, Jesus Christ. So take heart, dear Christian.
The Lord's anointed reigns. That's the theme here this morning. He shatters all opposition. That's part one. And part two, he offers you refuge. Now, opposition against Jesus is nothing new. Think back to the beginning of the Christian church. Back to that day of Pentecost in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. They proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and risen. Yes, they in the crowd, many of the listeners, were guilty of lobbying and and wanting Jesus' death and crucifixion. But God had raised him from the dead, showing that this Jesus of Nazareth truly was the Christ, the anointed one, which is what Christ means. Many were cut to the heart by what they had done. And what a miracle the Holy Spirit worked as he brought 3,000 to be baptized that day for the forgiveness of their sins. Now you might say, well, I don't see much opposition there, but you don't have to wait long. The next event that we're told of in detail in the book of Acts is when sometime after that day of Pentecost, Peter and John go up to the temple and they heal a man who had been crippled from birth. When the crowds gather in amazement, they again proclaim the good news of Jesus, crucified and risen. He, Jesus of Nazareth, was the fulfillment of the prophecies. He was the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the Christ. And they were arrested as they preached about Jesus. They spent the night in jail. And the next day, they were standing on trial before the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, the same council that had condemned Jesus to death. But they did not flinch. They boldly confess that Jesus was the only Savior. Acts 4 records their words. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The council warned them not to speak or preach anymore about this man. But that did not deter them either. They answered, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight for us to obey you rather than God. We cannot help speaking what we have seen and heard. And after some further warnings, the council did release them this time. And when they returned to the other believers, they all joined together in prayer. And as they pray, they quote the opening verses of this psalm. For they witnessed, they saw how the nations, how the rulers of this earth had conspired. Just think about that. You know the history and the suffering and Lenten uh, of Jesus that we review every Lenten season. Think of how the rulers of this earth set aside their political differences. Now Herod and Pontius Pilate had been political opponents. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, political opponents, not to mention the Jews versus the Romans. And yet when it came to getting rid of Jesus, they made a common cause. They came together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And now... Now they were taking it out against Jesus' followers. And so they pray for the boldness to keep on speaking 
the name of Jesus, to keep on proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, crucified and risen. And so, down still to our day, dear Christian friends, the words of this psalm still ring true. For you see, even worse than the immorality that rages in the society around us, is what we might call the spiritual plurality that is promoted by so many today. And it goes something along these lines. It says, okay, you guys can talk about Jesus, but just don't exclude other possible saviors. And at first it may not even sound all that bad until you realize that they are robbing God or Jesus of his glory. And when we introduce other possible saviors, that just reduces Jesus to another teacher of ages gone by and leads to death and damnation. For you see, dear friends, there is only one anointed one, only one Savior, and he is none other than Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. But how can you and I, how can we know that for sure? How can we be so certain that he is the anointed one? Think of Jesus' baptism. There, at his baptism, you have the testimony of the Holy Spirit as he descends on Jesus in the form of a dove. There you have the Holy Spirit's testimony that Jesus is the anointed one, not anointed with olive oil like kings of old, but anointed with the fullness of the Holy Spirit for his entire life to carry out that saving work the Father had sent him to do. And you have the Father himself testifying at Jesus' baptism. You are my son. You are the one I have sent and anointed as the Savior for sinners. And we hear that testimony again towards the end of Jesus' ministry on the mountain of transfiguration. So as we go back to Psalm 2 here, we hear the Christ, the anointed one, telling us What the Lord said to him as he says, He said to me, You are my son, and today I have become your father. You see how at Jesus' baptism we hear those same words? And and don't get hung up on that word today, because remember that God is above time. For him there is no yesterday or tomorrow. It is always the same today the one and the same, everlasting, eternal now. From all eternity, the Father and the Son have had that relationship. Don't let that word today make you think that there was a time that Jesus was not the Son, because the Bible very clearly says that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. That relationship between Father and Son is timeless and eternal, always present. For Jesus is the anointed one, the Christ. We have that testimony not only at Jesus' baptism, but think of that wonderful declaration when Jesus was raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul writes, who was declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So do not doubt, dear friends. Do not doubt, but believe with all your heart 
that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the anointed one, even though we see the world around us raging against him and conspiring against his ways, even though the world so often seems to succeed. Don't doubt that Jesus truly does reign, for he is the anointed one. He has told us that such things in this world will happen. And he has told us that we too, as his followers, will suffer at the hands of this world. For you see, the world can no longer lay its hands on Jesus and crucify him again, and so it comes after you and me, his followers. But take heart, for the Lord is faithful and true. He does not lie. And he says here, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. What comfort this word of promise gives us. For this is not some promise for the distant future, for some sort of heaven on earth someday. No, this is what is going on right now, today. Jesus reigns right now. I have installed my king These words have been fulfilled. For you see, Jesus does not reign from some sort of earthly Zion or mountaintop. He reigns from the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Zion, the new Jerusalem. He reigns with the power of God's right hand. He reigns over all. Yes, nations and empires rise and fall, but Jesus, your king, reigns forever and ever. And in the end, he will put an end to all who are opposed to him. For you see, on the last day, he will come again in his glory. And then no one, no one will be able to deny that he and he alone is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, dear friends, boldly proclaim your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, until that day. And as you do that, don't fear what the world might do against you. For you see, you have refuge in Jesus. Yes, no matter what the world might do, take refuge in him alone. Which brings us to the second part here. As we look at the psalm again, we see that it makes very clear that Jesus indeed reigns over all things. It speaks of the nations as his inheritance, the ends of the earth as his possession. He rules and breaks them, not with a wooden stick that splinters or a bronze rod that bends, but with an iron scepter that dashes them to pieces like shattered pottery. How terrifying to fall under his wrath. How inescapable his judgment. And yet the psalm here ends with a merciful invitation. A blessed offer of refuge. And let's see how that unfolds. As we look at verse 10, Therefore you kings be wise, be warned you rulers of the earth. True wisdom begins with knowing the Lord and our place underneath him. And and why would there be a warning unless there was at least a little hope that some would listen? And through these words, we are called to repentance as well. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. 
kiss the sun lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your ways for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Jesus is not a pushover. He is serious about his commands. He punishes all who do wrong. So then how can sinners like you and me rejoice in his presence? How can we kiss the Son welcoming him for we daily sin much and deserve nothing but punishment? But listen to the last line of the psalm. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Dear friend, fly to the cross and take refuge in his wounds. His blood has paid for all your sins. Humble yourself at his feet, hidden safely in the shadow of his cross. For you see, dear friends, Those who rage against the Lord and conspire against his ways is not just the world out there, but there's a would-be king inside you and me who wants to shake his fist at God and say, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to be chained by your laws or fettered by your rules. And if for some reason I think I should feel sorry for something, you better forgive me because you are a loving God. Crush that would-be king within you. Crush him with the iron scepter of God's law. Dash him to pieces day after day. For Jesus is deadly serious about his commands and so hold all of his commands in highest regard. And don't imagine that forgiveness is due to you by some sort of right, as if our sorrow compels God in some sort of way. No, that's not repentance. Rather, dear friend, gaze in amazement at what he has done for you. Fly to the cross and take refuge in the wounds of Jesus. Count the drops of blood shed for you. Believe his promise. Through the water and word of your baptism, your sins are washed away. That's his promise to you as he called you by name. In baptism, you were reborn into God's family as his dear child through faith in Jesus. Would we now, as his dear children, not want to serve him Serve him with that childlike fear. That fear is not the the terror of a slave coerced to obey, no. But the joyful awe of a child that sees the wonders of his love, the greatness of his grace, the warmth of his compassion and the depths of his mercy, so that we in no way want to cross him up who has loved us so dearly as his baptized children. We kiss the son with that affection and and dearness that knows that he has brought us into his family so that we, through faith in him, are children of God. What a refuge you have in Jesus, the anointed one. He and he alone is your refuge as he reigns in your heart through his word of promise. Amen.
Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.